Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and we're here doing a little bit of a special event. Uh, you know, we would be normally in the middle of spring football. That's not happening right now, but we're trying to obviously get all the spring stuff done to you. But I th- thought I'd take this opportunity because we have a little time to kind of pursue other angles, do other projects, that kind of thing. I noticed some things on social networking, especially on Twitter, where people were kind of playing GM a little bit, a little general, a little amateur general manager. You get to be your own little John Schneider here. And what they would do is people would create these little bingo cards and, and, and you'd typically see it with basketball, just five players, but we've expanded it to 11 players and we've given people a salary cap of $30 million for the entire offense. So that'd be all 11 positions. And so I have entrusted Kim Reynolds and Scott Eklund, who are on the line here, to help me kind of draft certain guys to basically get the best all-time Washington football team, offense today, defense, special teams tomorrow, and we'll do a $30 million cap on offense and a $35 million cap for defense and special teams. So 11 players on offense. 14 defense and special teams. And what we've done is I've ranked these players by dollar value from 1 million all the way up to 5 million being the best. And obviously it's very subjective, but we wanted to make sure that people had to kind of, you know, make some decisions, make some tough choices as it were. And so again, Scott and Kim are here to help me kind of go through this with their own picks and kind of talk about this in in real time so we'll start with the quarterbacks obviously the marquee position and we started with jake browning at a million dollars mark brunell at two billy joe hobart at three warren moon at four and marcus tuyasasopo at five million dollars so guys starting with kim who'd you pick a quarterback I picked Mark Brunel, the lefty. Um, you know, I focused on offense line and the running back. We'll get to those positions in a little bit. But uh, all of those quarterbacks, I think Warren Moon is the one that would stand out the most. But he was $4 million. But uh, I think Warren Moon is probably the greatest quarterback ever to play at University of Washington. Marcus Chiasasopo, the biggest warrior. Billy Joe Hobart, I think everybody, I think anybody who went to college or liked to party in their uh, late teens, early 20s, wanted to be Billy Joe Hobart, the guy who was... He liked the party, got in a little trouble here and there, and um, was a quarterback at the University of Washington playing in a Rose Bowl, winning a national championship. But, uh, you know, Mark Brunel, really, really underrated quarterback at the University of Washington, had a long career, was real fortunate to hook up with Mike Holmgren back in uh, Green Bay, who really taught him a lot of things and had a long NFL career. But uh, Mark Brunel was a hell of a quarterback. And Scott, who was your pick? Um, I took the quarterback who never lost a game as a starter, 
Billy Joe Hobart. And I took him because he was middle of the road. I, I thought he was a little bit better than uh, Mark Brunel just from a pure um, playmaking standpoint, although Mark Brunel added that element as a runner. Billy Joe Hobart could also run a little bit. He could also be my punter if I needed one. So um, I just liked uh, Billy Joe Hobart and what he brings as a as a leader. Obviously, I would have loved to have taken Marcus uh, Sopo, but looking down what I was going to have to make a selection on later in the, in the, you know, for other positions, I decided to leave my, my five, my uh, two extra million in my bank and, and take the $3 million quarterback. Yeah. And guys, I definitely want to uh, have you talk about whether it was an easy call to make or whether it was difficult, how these kind of all fit into the greater picture for sure. And I'm with you, Scott. I went with Billy Joe. I mean, it's kind of hard to, to, to go against the guy who was unbeaten in college. So I kind of I kind of went that route. I kind of felt, again, you're right, a little more middle of the road. Uh, Moon and Tuyasu Sopo would have been, you know, the marquee names on this list. But I think, again, when you're looking at the guy, the quarterback of the national championship team, kind of hard to go wrong at $3 million. So that's who I went with. Uh, now we will go to the running backs. And starting at one, you know it's going to be a tough tough list to pare down when the guy who only costs a million dollars happens to be a Doak Walker award winner and that's Greg Lewis and then a, right at two million it's Chris Polk above him we've got Corey Dillon and above him we've got Miles Gaskin and then on top at five million we've got Napoleon Kaufman so Kim who was your pick Corey Dillon <laughs> I don't think he ever went to class but who cares he had probably the greatest um, greatest year as a running back ever to wear uh, a Husky uniform. And, uh, you know, with Coach Lambright passing, the only time I really got upset with Jim Lambright was for him taking Corey Dillon out of the uh, San Jose State game early because I think Corey Dillon could have run for 500 yards if they had left him in. But uh, Corey Dillon, long NFL career. He was kind of in purgatory at uh, in New England, excuse me, in Cincinnati. But he got a Super Bowl ring back in New England. And, uh Corey Dillon, absolute monster. And the interesting thing about Corey Dillon, a lot of people had him projected as a safety. He probably would have been an all-world safety as well. Yes, no question about it. Phenomenal athlete for sure. Scott, who'd you pick at running back? Well, I would have taken I, – I, when I went through and did my picks, uh, I first just went with initial instincts, and um, I went right down the line and, and made my selections. And the first one that I chose was actually Chris Polk. I, I think I love what he adds as a receiver and a runner. I think he's a tough runner. But I was one over the cap, one million over the cap. So I needed to cut it down, and I went through my the rest of my roster, and, and I was like, man, I don't want to do this, but – um, I'm going to have to cut somebody or cut that back. And who better to, to add to my list as a running back than, the, like you said, Chris, uh, a Doak Walker winner. He isn't the most dynamic runner you're ever going to find that, the, that graced the University of Washington campus. And <clears throat> all he did was go out and grind. That's what he did. He, he, he wasn't flashy. He, he ran between the tackles. He was a tough runner. I just wanted that guy uh, in my backfield. I love Chris Polk. I love all the other guys that you that you uh, included, but uh, Greg Lewis was my pick. Yeah, it's tough to tough to go wrong with a guy like Greg. But uh, I did go to with Chris Polk. 
love obviously what he does both in the backfield and in the flats and you know in terms of receiver um, clearly a great just pure all-around athlete with the, you know and a, and a guy that you want the ball in his hands at all times so wanted to go Corey Dillon but again I think kind of like you Scott I kind of looked at the the, the picks down the road that I was going to need to make, and, and I think I wanted to go a little heavier with the receivers, so I did step back just a little bit, but I don't think I missed much with Chris Polk. Uh, let's go to the first. We did we did three receiver positions here uh, on the offense, and the first one is going to be kind of your classic, traditional, big, big receiver type. Uh, you know, we had we had started $1 million, a little bit bigger, but we started with Dante Pettis, went up with Jerome Payton, then Paul Scanzi, Jamal or Jermaine Curse, excuse me, and then uh, the five million dollar man, Mr. Reggie Williams. Uh, Kim, who'd you pick out of this list? Million dollar hands, Reggie Williams is my all time favorite. I'll never ever forget him uh, down at Oregon. I'm on the sideline. They had their Smurf defensive backs. We pick it. We just throw quick outs to Reggie, and they'd come up and hit him as hard as they could on the thigh. They'd go backwards, and Reggie would just run forever. But you know what? Reggie was kind of expensive, so. I went with Dante Pettis, a really underrated receiver, seemed to make the big catches longer in his career, and also backup punt returner, the best that ever was. But, uh, yeah, I went with Dante Pettis out of that group. Yeah, it looks like uh, Kim's putting some money in the bank for uh, for later on here. Uh, what offensive about you, line, that's where Kim's going. He's going offensive yeah, line. Where, where, so. where did you, where'd you go on yeah. this list, uh, oh, Scott? I went Dante with Pettis was only a million bucks, by the way. Yeah. Reggie I, I know. Off. Well, when when Chris was when we were going through and doing these picks, I remember just going, "Oh, I want Reggie and Dante. Can I take?" But I I didn't realize we had to select from each group. So I was like, "Ah, crap." So um, I actually took Reggie, and the reason was because if I'm if if I have Cody Pickett in the NFL, he owes Reggie Williams most of his NFL contract because <laughs> that guy was unbelievable um the way he could take a short pass and turn it into a 75 yard touchdown i still remember his first game against michigan um just how i was anytime the ball was thrown near him i was ready to jump out of my seat i mean it he it was is was such a special player and just did uh, unfortunately played for some really bad teams. I, I, okay, I shouldn't say really bad teams, but played on some teams that just didn't, because um, we know what really bad was, but uh, just did not play on a team that was really worthy of his his talent level. And, and he's really the difference in why they were able to make a few bowl games and, and should have gone to a bowl game in Gilby's for one year as, as the head coach before uh, he had his really bad year. But... Um, took Reggie because I just think he's one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play college football. Yeah, it, hard hard to argue that, Scott. And and that to me, he's he's the greatest Washington receiver. So that that's why I went and and used some of the money out of my cap to to go get Reggie Williams. I mean, when you get an opportunity to get that kind of an impact guy, I remember first game he played as a true freshman against Michigan. I mean, just going down the sideline and catching passes with with uh, losing a shoe and, and ba- just basically doing stuff that we had never seen before. So, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to go with Reggie here, and so I decided to, to splunk a little bit extra to get him. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now, the, the next run, uh, next receiver position, uh, we had uh, Aaron Fuller at a million dollars. We had Cason Williams coming in at two. The old-timer, Spider Gaines, you know, had some big, big, big catches early in the Don James era. I had him at three. And then Lonzel Hill. I don't know how many people remember Lonzel Thrill Hill, but he was big time. He was at four million, and then Orlando McKay, the big speedster who really paired up with Mario Bailey in the 1991 championship team. We had him as the five million dollar man at this position. Uh, Kim, who did you pick out of that group? I picked the guy that's one of my all time favorites as well. Number two, his dad played at University of Washington, and uh, he's still trying to make a go in the XFL. But Casey uh, Williams paired with Dante Pettis, uh, with Dante Pettis in the slot on one side, and we'll stay to that other receiver spot for the big bucks. But Casey uh, uh, Williams, uh, who had bigger hands, Casey or Reggie? Because they're both of their hands were huge. Yeah, I would say probably Reggie, but yeah, Casey's are monsters. Yeah, so uh, I think Kay- I think Kaysen was one of those guys who wasn't used uh, as well as he should have been. I don't think that they threw the ball up and let him go get it. If they would have used him more like Reggie Williams, I think he would have been a lot more dynamic player because he was such a physical receiver, um, especially on quick outs. I-, I just don't think they used him correctly, but uh, I always love Kaysen Williams. Yeah, Scott, uh, um Kaysen, I think, is a popular pick at this uh, this particular spot. Yeah, and looking at the other two, I think we're all <laughs> we're all along the same thought lines here. The last two, but uh, yeah, Kaysen is my guy, and um, just such a shame that he got hurt. That uh, what was it, a sophomore year against Cal? Just uh, just such a shame that he got hurt because he was just really never the same explosive guy that we all remember. But man, there is not a better wide receiver, in my opinion, other than Reggie Williams. To come out of the state of Washington, there isn't a better wide receiver than Casey Williams that's ever played um, high school football in the state of Washington. Yeah, it, it, it's a clean sweep. I also pick Casey. Uh, I think he's really, really good value at this number. And uh, you're right. I mean, it, it, if uh, if he had played, been able to play to 100 percent health and to his full potential, sky's the limit for what he could have done at Washington for sure. Let's move to the tight ends, guys. And I think again, no, wait, this... there, isn't there one more wide receiver? Oh no, you're right. You're right. Thank you, yep. Scott. There is. There is one more receiver. Now, this one, we kind of wanted to make him a little bit more kind of slottish or the smaller, quicker, scat-type guys. Um, not always the case, but for the most part, trying to fit it in that way as kind of a slot guy. But obviously, these guys also played out wide. Uh, we started at the one million mark with a guy who's, you know, obviously doesn't get a lot of, of press because he played at a time when Washington just wasn't that good. But he racked up a ton of yards. That's Anthony Anthony Russo, who is at the one million dollar mark. Uh, right above Anthony, we got Charles Frederick, et himself. And then right above that, we got Jadon Mickens, who came up with obviously a ton of catches, ton of yards during Sarks here when he was here. And then above him. This guy would normally be a $5 million man, but I don't think anybody's going to top Mario Bailey in this list. But we got John Ross as the $4 million man, and then Mario Bailey up top. So, Kim, on this final receiver position, what was your uh, what was your pick? Well, I got Corey Dillon for four. Corey Dillon for six. Corey Dillon for five. Play action, Corey Dillon over the top to John Ross. I'm scoring all day long with those 
guys. So uh, you got the hammer and then that play action throw a deep to John Ross. There, I don't think there's ever been a wide receiver at University of Washington has been as big a threat as John Ross. Spider Gaines, maybe back in the day. And by the way, nobody's ever. It, I was really shocked the first time I met Spider Gaines. He's a big dude. He's a lot bigger than a lot of people realize. But, um, yeah, you know, Corey Dillon at running back, John Ross out wide. You put Kaysen out there to block. And, you know, Dante Pettis running, you know, team across the middle. That's a pretty lethal offense. So, no, uh, John Ross, take the top off of any defense. And when you take a look at the NFL draft, everybody's looking for John Ross. And he hasn't had the most productive NFL career, but uh, – Get him out of Cincinnati. Just get him out of Cincinnati. It's where players go to die. Uh, I still think John Ross is going to have a very productive uh, NFL career. You just can't teach that type of speed. Uh, Scott, I I'm sensing a theme. I'm I'm I'm, see, I'm sensing John Ross at this position for you too. Yes, I actually in my initial picks when I was kind of going through it and everything, and and I you know when when you're doing it, you have to look at your receivers. And you're like, all right, am I willing to spend five million for two guys, or what am I willing to do? And John Ross was an utter steal at four million, in my opinion. Um, you know, Mario Bailey is definitely worth the five million, and that's who I was going to take, just because of how freakish he was about getting open. as As fast as John Ross was, Mario Bailey was almost as fast. He wasn't quite as fast, but he was. I I would dare say he was quicker and a better route runner than John Ross. And so I almost took Mario, but you got to go with John Ross, as Kim says. Just throw it down the. So I've got I what I've got is Reggie Williams, who's got speed and size. I've got Casey Williams, who's got size, and I've got John Ross, who's the fastest wide receiver to ever come out into the NFL draft. I mean, you just can't beat a guy who has 17 touchdowns. What was it, 1,400 yards receiving, whatever it was that that year, his his uh, senior year, his junior year, and man, special special player. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe I made the receivers easier than I than I anticipated because I went exactly the way that you did, Scott. I went Reggie Williams, Cason Williams, John Ross. It just feels like that's the perfect combination and the perfect balance of size, speed, possession guy, big playability. You know, cutting the top off a of defense, you pretty much have it all. So that's that's kind of what I was thinking as well. So I I went with John Ross too. Uh, moving to the tight ends. Now this is another one where you know there were some guys that were legitimate candidates that I had to leave off. Didn't feel great about it, but we start with Cam Cleland at the million dollar mark, moving up to Jeremy Stevens, and then Hunter Bryant, Mark Bruner at four million feels like a steal, but at top you have to give Austin Safarian Jenkins the nod at five million, Mackey Award winner all time. You know in terms of the numbers, uh, the tight end, the best tight end at Washington, Kim. Who'd you pick at this one? Well, at two, $2 million, I thought Jeremy Stevens was a steal because I actually think he's the best tight end ever to play at the University of Washington. The only problem with Jeremy is, you know, he just had a lot of knucklehead in him, you know. But when Jeremy's head was on straight, I don't think there was anybody better than Jeremy Stevens. He was a reliable receiver in the red zone. He would play quarterback in high school, quarterback his freshman year. He understood the game of football. He just had seemed to have his share of off-the-field issues. But on the field, you know, especially at University of Washington, Jeremy Stevens was a big, big, big-time uh, tight end. 
six seven. What was he about two forty two fifty? He was a big dude. He was he had a couple inches on Austin Safari and Jenkins, but uh, Mark Bruner was an adequate receiver, more of a blocking tight end, and Cam Cleland was more in the Mark Bruner uh, mold. But uh, you know, I, I I I like Jeremy Stevens a lot as a football player. Yeah, for sure. And Scott, yeah. uh, where'd you go on this one? I, I consider Jeremy Stevens here, but he might be a $2 million player on our list, but he's going to cost you $5 million in legal fees. So oh. I just decided... Thinking, thinking ahead. <laughs> I just, you know, I was like, oh, who am I going to go with? And I chose Cam Cleland, and the reason why was because I wanted to save some money for the, the lineman. But I also... I don't need a, a dynamic receiver at tight end with with the guys that I have at wide receiver. I don't need a dynamic receiver at, at tight end. What I need is a guy who can, if we need him, he can go run and and make some nice catches and be a tough guy to bring down in the open field. But I need a guy who can block and and for a, a million dollars, if I can get a guy who's right on the same right on par with Mark Bruner as a blocker, I'll take him any day. Cam Cleland is my choice. Yeah, it felt it felt like this position was one where you could get really good value at the lower levels. So yeah, I consider Jeremy Stevens, I consider Cam Cleveland, but I but I wanted to move up, and so I moved up and got Hunter Bryant. Um, again, with things a little bit more spread out than they're than than they have been in the past, I like my tight end to get out there and get downfield, and he's just he just provides such a big weapon. I would say he's arguably the best downfield. Uh, catcher that they've ever had in terms of tight end, in terms of just a pure playmaker, he just makes incredibly tough catches and uh, and also has the speed to to get past people and get around people and get downfield. So that's why I picked Hunter Bryant. I really really like that pick a lot. Now we're going to move to the offensive line and going from left tackle all the way through to right tackle. Left tackle, man, we got some 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 we got some war daddies here at left tackle. Uh, Tony Coates starting at a million, moving to Elliott Silvers at two, Senio Calamete at three, Kurt Marsh, you know one of the one of the first big time offensive linemen uh, in the Don James era. He's at four, but then you've got the ultimate one, Lincoln Kennedy at five million. Was anybody interested in picking Lincoln Kennedy with five million dollars here, Kim? Were you were you at all kind of like mm, I really want to pull the trigger on Lincoln here? Oh, no, because Lincoln plays left tackle, and I got a left-handed quarterback, so right tackle is your left tackle. So I saved a few bucks and went with uh, Dr. Tony Coates for a million dollars over at left tackle. Um, You know, so um, like I said, left-handed quarterback, probably not as important a position as it would be in a right-handed quarterback. So uh, Tony Coates had a nice career at University of Washington, was teammates uh, it wasn't, they weren't teammates. They just came into the same recruiting class as Benji Olson. But uh, Tony Coates, one of the most highly decorated offensive linemen out of high school to come to the University of Washington. So a million dollars, left tackle, which is my right tackle, Tony Coates. Okay. Dr. Tony Coates. There you go. Scott, who'd you pick? Uh, Kim kind of stated it pretty well. Tony Coates was my choice. It, it isn't like I didn't want any of the other guys. I wanted all of them. I thought Tony Coates was a pretty good value. I, I probably would have... Um, considered Senio Kelamite more of the $1 million, million dollar guy and Coates more of the $3 million guy. So I felt like just on my board, he got a little bit, I got a little more value out of that. And uh, he's just a strong uh, a run blocker and, and a pretty good pass blocker. And I just thought he would be a nice guy because when, when we go through the, rest, the next four guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some money. 
Okay, fair enough. I went up a little bit, and I got my, my guy here, Elliot Silvers. You know, a three-year starter was the left tackle on the 2000 Rose Bowl championship team. You know, protected uh, Marcus Tuyasasopo's blind side. I kind of like the way uh, Elliot looked here at $2 million, so that's who I went with. We moved to left guard, and we've got uh, at $1 million, a guy recently, we got Jake Eldrenkamp moving up to Andrew Peterson, who was in the early 90s at left guard, big time. Rick Mallory, who was in the mid-80s at, at left guard. And then we have big Bob Sapp. Who, who doesn't like Bob Sapp? So I, we put him at $4 million. And then the guy who was at five, I don't know how many guys remember Phil Foreman, but he was arguably one of the top offensive linemen under the Don James era when they first came around in the mid, mid to late 70s. Big, big-time guy. I don't know if he's got the cachet now to get $5 million for people to get interested, but he was big-time. So, Kim, who would you like at left guard here? I need Maulers. I got Corey Dillon back there. I got Mark Brunel, the scrambler, and John Ross over the top. I want. Uh, I spent some money on the interior line. Big Bob Sapp uh, out of. Uh, he's. I, I don't think he's out of Denver. Just outside of Denver, Colorado. He was a big time recruit for Coach James. He was a wrestler, and Bob is just mammoth, and he's made a huge amount of money. I think it's K1 fighting, but uh, uh, almost. It's not quite MMA, but uh, he's almost like a cartoon caricature over in uh, Japan. Was uh, kind of an iconic guy over there for a long time. Made a lot, a lot of money. The interesting thing about Bob Sapp, I mean, as big as he was, and he's a big, big, big dude, he could actually take his leg and put it behind his head. That's freakish for a guy that big, but uh, Morris Trophy winner Bob Sapp on the inside, and Bob's got a little crazy going on, and I teamed him with another guy who's got some crazy. Uh, so we'll get to that a little bit later. But Bob Sapp at $4 million. Okay. Left guard, Scott, who was your pick? I went with Andrew Peterson. He's the first uh, big-time recruit. I, he and I are both Peninsula guys. Uh, he's from South Kitsap. I'm from Bremerton, not Bremerton. And uh, I followed that guy. I knew he was one of the biggest recruits in the country, uh, one of the top linemen. I think he had offers from most of the Pac-12 or his Pac-10 back then. And, um, you know, chose Washington, went on to have a really nice career. He and I played basketball against each other at the IMA. Freakish. For, for the size that he was, the way he could get up and down the court, you could just see why the guys that are getting, you know, getting scholarships to go play D1 football get the scholarships they get because it was just ridiculous how how easily he moved. And, and you could just see the athleticism and the, and the difference between Joe Schmo like me and him out there on the basketball court. So Andrew Peterson is my is my choice. He's a mauler. And I think he's a great guy to put right alongside Tony Coates there at uh, left guard. Okay. No, that sounds good. I went a little bit more uh, middle of the road. I went Rick Mallory, who obviously ended up being a coach, really good coach at the college level, but he was a two-year starter, 82, 83, kind of set the table for the guys that would come through at 84 and end up winning the Orange Bowl and all that kind of stuff. He was on the same offensive lines as with guys like Dan Ernesty, and Don Dow and, and guys like that. So he was he was on some pretty good groups, but he was he was arguably the the best offensive lineman on those teams in the early eighties. And so I really liked what the value I got there for three million. And so that's who I picked. I went with Rick Mallory. So now we go to center, another one really loaded. And we started with Nick Harris at one million, went up with Ed Cunningham, then Burn Brostek, Blair Bush. 
the big timer, the first big center to come out of Washington in the Don James era. And then, of course, Mr. Olin Krutz to be the $5 million man. So, Kim, did Olin Krutz, was he, were you able to, uh, to kind of bite the bullet and go big on this one? With Olin Krutz. A lot of people think that Olin Krutz was the biggest, meanest, toughest, nastiest center to ever play at Washington. He's not. <laughs> it's Bern Brostek. Bern is a different level of crazy than uh, Olin Krutz, and he's a lot bigger than Olin, too. Bern is about 6'5", and um, Chris Peterson's first game in Hawaii, I met Bern on the sidelines. He's a scary dude. He still is a scary dude, and you don't think Bern's crazy? He was all pro for, you know, he had a great NFL career. You know what he did when he retired from the NFL and pocketed all his money? Guess what he decided to do? He became a garbage man. He enjoyed it. But that's the kind of crazy you got in Burn Brostek. Burn Brostek. And at $3 million, Corey Dillon, <laughs> Offsap, Burn Brostek. Yeah, I like my interior line so far. Okay, Scott, did you go with Burn as well? Yes, I did. I went with Burn Brostick, and uh, the reason was because I wanted a like you, like Kim said, someone who was a little on the crazy side to to lead it. And uh, I mean, he just grinded on people. Olin Krutz was a great center, a- as good as I think Blair Bush was. Um, he was a little before my time to really appreciate what he was able to do. And Burn was a guy I remember. And Ed Cunningham, I mean, I don't think you could you could go wrong with any of those four. No offense to Nick Harris at $1 million. I just think those other four guys are completely on a different level than he is as far as being a player. And that's just my opinion. But that's I think those other four, it's it's those four and then Nick Harris at the, you know, one, you know, a step down. I don't think you could go wrong with any of the top four guys. I chose Bern Brostek because he was worth $5 million in my opinion. But he was only three million on the on the cap hit. Okay, fair enough. And I went with Ed Cunningham. My rationale was: you're right. I think there's good value on either one of those top four picks. But I was also like, okay, who's my quarterback? My quarterback's Billy Joe Hobart. Who was Billy Joe Hobart's center? Ed Cunningham. I mean, it just it's hand in glove. It just makes total sense that. The, the connection between the center and the quarterback is is key, and I wanted to keep that thing intact, and so that's who I went with, with Ed Cunningham. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So now we move to the right guard. we got two spots left on the offense. Right guard, we start at $1 million with Mr. Dean Kirkland, followed it up by Patrick Kessie, Chad Ward, Mike Zandowski, and then the $5 million man is Mr. Benji Olson, who we've talked a little bit about. Kim, who was your choice at this uh, at this right guard position? Spent the money. I went with Benji. $5 million. Imagine having an offensive line with up the middle and Bob Sapp on the left and Benji Olson on the right side and Corey Dillon behind that. 
But uh, Benji, I think, may be the best right guard ever to play at University of Washington and uh, had a long NFL career. Tony Coates and Benji both came into University of Washington, the same recruiting class. Tony had all the accolades. Benji had the better career, had a long career with uh, the um, Tennessee Titans, made his home down there. And truly, if you've ever met him, truly one of the nice guys and big dude. <laughs> He's a big, big dude. Big me. But just a really nice guy off the field. So I spent the money on that offensive line and went with Benji Olson. Okay, Scott, who did you pick? I too went with Benji Olson, spent the money. I, I really just wanted, I was giving a, a nod to the peninsula and uh, took my third South Kitsap uh, wolf in uh, Benji Olson, big physical guy. I think, arguably, in my opinion, in the modern era of Husky football, basically I'm going from. The mid-80s up until now, Kevin Gogan is a great guy. You know, there's a lot of great offensive linemen. But I would put um, Benji Olsen up there with uh, Lincoln Kennedy and maybe one one other guy, Olin Krutz or Bern Brostek, one of those two guys. You know, he's just right up there in my book as, as carrying the water as the best lineman in the, in the history of the program. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I went a totally different direction. Now, I granted, I spent heavily on my receivers, so I wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to have quite the cap to go off and, and get a great offensive line. But I feel really good about my right guard pick here in Patrick Kessie. You know, he was the he was the, the the right guard in the '94 team, which had a lot of success. Obviously, whammy in Miami. A lot of people think about Bob Sapp. They think Frank Garcia, Pete Pearson, Trevor Highfield, guys like that. Patrick Kessie was. Every bit as good as all those guys. So I really like my pick here of Pat Kessie. Uh, I think for $2 million, really good value. I was thinking about maybe Chad Ward, uh, good old squat 650 himself, but uh, you just a little rich for my blood at this particular point. So let's move to the final position, the right tackle position to top this all off. And as Kim, you stated, you're, it's really your left tackle. It's really the guy protecting uh, the blind side of Mark Brunel. So we've got one of five choices here, starting at a million with Aaron Dalen. And then we've got Caleb McGarry coming through. Supele Malamala at three million. Jeff Taze, arguably probably the first big-time tackle prospect in the Don James era at four. And then Kevin Gogan, the massive Kevin Gogan with $5 million, his price tag. Kim, who'd you pick? Supele Malamala. Always loves uh, big old soup. Uh, another one island guys. Uh, I, I really like Caleb McGarry, by the way. But uh, just, just Supele Malamala with the $3 million I had, I was going to take Caleb and try to pocket the other million bucks. But uh, you guys said no. So I went ahead and spent the extra million and went with Supele Malamala. And Scott, who'd you pick? Well, I went with uh, Supele Malamala as well. I remember him. The problem with Supele was he was playing – the opposite tackle of Lincoln Kennedy. So not a lot of people remember Sapelli, but they remember Lincoln and, and it's hard not to at the size and athleticism and how productive he was. I really wanted to take Kevin Gogan here, but I didn't have enough money. And uh, Sapelli Malamala is a nice soft landing for me at right tackle. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a jump. I know I get it. And to be honest with you, I was wondering if anybody was going to go for the Kennedy Malamala bookend type situation no one did yet but maybe we'll see some guys uh get creative with their financing here and see if they can come up with some picks my pick was caleb mcgarry three-year starter obviously the 2016 
semifinalists and all that has a lot of a wealth of experience. You know, six eight, three hundred and whatever. You know, big time kid, fighter, tough, uh, all the things you want in a right tackle. So I thought at two million dollars, that's a snip. So I think I felt really really good about picking Caleb McGarry at that pick. All right, guys, we're one. We're we're halfway through. We're going to come at you tomorrow with the defense and special teams. So I appreciate you hanging on. I hope you enjoyed kind of uh, this live draft, so to speak, of our picks. And we'll get back at you soon. So for Chris Fetters, Kim Grinolds, Scott Eklund, go dogs. Bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.